Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For Welcome our families, to our for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. We set out to do what we wanted to do, which is have a regular podcast every uh, approximately once per week, and safety commentaries and things of that nature, sometimes no safety commentary, me just ranting. Last week, we had a great interview of Imogene Saba, author of the book, One Star Away, about her family's journey to this country, meaning the United States, by way of the former Soviet Union, after being expatriated from Poland, just like my family. Go back, give it a listen. I had a little bit of audio issues with it, but what are you going to do? Today we're going to talk about the importance of having your accident management program in place prior to having an accident. This may come as a shock to you, but training people in first aid is not enough, and calling 911 for everything is not enough. What are some of the things you need to have for an accident management program? You have to have them, four things right off the bat. Number one, a local occupational physician that has been vetted. You have to ask these questions. Is that doctor an actual occupational physician familiar with workman's comp, OSHA record keeping and recording requirements, OSHA statistics, including the total recordable incident rate among all the other ones? Second thing is, you have to know where the local hospital is, has it been vetted, is it capable of managing a major accident or just a minor one? Because if it's a major accident, you may need a different type of hospital. If you're in a more rural area, that is actually a very important thing to know. How do you do an accident investigation? What is a regular regulator looking for versus maybe uh, what you're looking for internally? What's a, what root cause analysis? What kind of learning team? How about all that other stuff we talk about? How do we come up with solutions to what we're doing? What did you learn? What are the learnings? How are we going to change? How are we going to prevent something? Are we going to change anything? Which work mode are we in? Are we in the skills mode where we're on autopilot and this is just an operational upset or maybe something caused outside the work area? Caused by something outside the work area? Is this the rules-based one where we're making decisions all the time? Or is it the knowledge or lack of knowledge one where the worker didn't know what they were doing or someone didn't know what they were doing? You have to come up with solutions. How are we going to fix this? I'll share a story with you. We're filled with stories here. Two stories this is. Story number one, I was reminded of this week by a customer. A person, a worker, banged his knee. 
Rather than sending him to a real occupational physician they had lined up through me, they sent him to a guy the owner knows. Be careful of a guy I know. Right? The guy advertised as an occupational physician, and he was very cheap. So this is how it went. The worker went into the office, got an interview from the doctor. Doctor gave him prescription strength ibuprofen and two weeks off. There's no x-ray, no MRI, no therapy, like rice, right? No, rest, ice, compression, elevation, nothing. No heat, nothing. They just, oh, here, send you on road. Here's some bills. What happens? Automatically, this became a lost time injury and an OSHA recordable. It was a smaller company we were dealing with, my customer, so the numbers at the end of the year don't really work out well. A small company and you have a couple of accidents, total recordable incident rate goes to Gluvno. And this threatens, if you have enough of those, this threatens your business, your ability to bid on contracts, especially government contracts. To add insult to injury, this incident was also witnessed by a traffic police officer who made a report to his supervisor and then ended up with an OSHA visit and fines for something totally unrelated to this accident. In the meantime, the doctor went on a two-month-long vacation to Europe, and we never heard from him until three months later. It was a mess to handle. The lawyers got involved. There was some disability insurance issues. You name it, we had it, because the injury was not documented or anything else, because the, this was not an occupational physician. This was a pill pusher. This was uh, uh, something else. I don't know. Story number two, another company, another worker, similar situation. So worker gets a similar injury. He goes to a real occupational physician who orders an x-ray, an MRI, conducts a parallel investigation to what I did. It came out with the same, uh, uh, the same conclusions and everything. He was able to manage this with over-the-counter ibuprofen, and was able to get back to work the next day, unrestricted. No OSHA recordable, just a boo-boo on his knee. We treat him with rice, right? Because we have everything documented, gave him appropriate treatment, the person went back to work, worked for another 90 days, 12 hours a day, 6 days a week, until winter layoff doing back-breaking work. He makes a complete recovery. We can do follow-ups to monitor his injury, right? And you would think that the story ends there, but the story doesn't end there. He goes on winter layoff, right? Seasonal work, winter layoff. Works with his brother-in-law off the books laying carpet, and he's using a kneeler to stretch the carpet into place. If you're not familiar with a kneeler, you whack a cushion hammer with your bent knee, or bent leg, I should say, and knee injuries are very common in that line of work. Then he goes downhill skiing for two weeks in Zakopane, Poland. He comes back to work about three months after being laid off for three months, and within the first 20 minutes, he says his knee is hurt from the injury from work way back when. Because we had everything documented, we treated everything, we did follow-up, we did our due diligence, we solved the issue that caused that problem. When he went Battle, he went out and battled it out with workman's comp, got attorneys involved, 
His claim was denied because the injury was different than what was documented. It went from a minor sprain or bruise at most, was treated with first aid, to needing major surgery on his knee. In the meantime, he also put on social media and was bragging to everybody. He was working with his brother-in-law, laying carpeting, and he went up skiing. You had pictures of him, right, the, coming down the mountain in Zacapana, right? Needless to say, the company was not held liable, and the case was likely a case of fraud. I can't say that or not, but case of fraud. They denied his claim. Eventually, the man got the help that he needed and worked for another company later on. What was the difference in these two outcomes? One had an accident management plan and policy that was enforced and followed. It was, everything was way ahead of time. We had every, worked everything out over the course of years, actually, because we had a plan and then we treated it as we needed it. We got an attaboy from the client, but more importantly, it showed to the workforce that we take accidents seriously. Make sure the employee got prompt and appropriate care. We made sure of that. We did not make a huge deal out of this and fixed the issue with the design of the work area. We put together a learning team. We did all the hop stuff before we knew what hop was. As a matter of fact, the reputation we got with the workforce was that the safety department cares, responds to accidents, and no one gets fired or disciplined. In economics, we would call this Pareto efficiency, where everybody gains something, but no one loses anything. The company's liabilities are covered, and the worker's inner injuries are managed to the benefit of the worker. So what's the moral of the story? If you need help putting one of these programs together, email us at jim at safetywords.com. I'd much rather have you with an accident management plan and program that you're able to work train your employees in and your managers in and everybody's happy with a happy in ending versus a situation where it's a complete legal mess. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. Are you tired of hiring safety consultants and safety professionals that don't have any passion for what they're doing? How about those who have never worked in the field or done the dirty work? Is there resistance to taking safety training because the training is boring, irrelevant, and unengaging? Are your employees playing a team, college student, or someone on the dark web to take the online safety training for them? Look no further. Safety Wars can come to your facility or do most of the training you need through an online platform at times convenient for you. For more information, call me, Jim Polzel, your Safety Wars host at 845-694. 4170. Or you can email me at jim at safetywords.com. Remember, if you've heard this transmission, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.